Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we head east to the East Coast, to one of America's most iconic cities, the city that never sleeps, New York, New York. Now, I personally have had a chance to visit New York, we're talking about 15 years ago. Very busy atmosphere. In fact, like I said, it's the city that never sleeps, and really, truly, everything is constantly moving people, cars coming and going. And it's it's a definite vibration. And of course, when we think of New York, we think of all the iconic places that New York is known for, one of them being Central Park, another one being Washington Square Park. And when we when we think about these serene places, Sometimes we don't realize that these places actually have haunted and kind of like holy shit backgrounds. So let's talk about Washington Square Park. And what people don't realize is that Washington Square Park actually began as a cemetery, a burial ground. It is estimated that at least 20,000 slaves and poor New Yorkers, New Yorkers, New Yorkers, have been buried there since the days of the American Revolution. And this is something I did not know because I actually thought this was something that happened predominantly in the South. A lot of these people died because of the yellow fever. I thought yellow fever was something that, like I said, just was something that normally happened in the South and did not know that they actually... Yellow fever was actually a scenario that happened in New York. In fact, it happened four separate times. So four yellow fever pandemics basically ravaged New York in the summers of 1797, 1798, 1801, and 1803. Now, what is yellow fever? So the unfortunate person suffers... Fevers, chills, vomiting, body aches. A few days later, their skin becomes jaundice, yellow, yellow in color. Their eyeballs become jaundice. They begin vomiting this black bile. And basically, it's the beginning of the end as they begin to suffer organ failure. And the the terrible part is, is that... If you contracted yellow fever, the chances of you surviving was 40% because 60% of those who came in contact with yellow fever died. And so here is where they buried the yellow fever victims and the poor in, in, in the park, what would become Washington Square Park. And if that's not enough, in the northwest corner of the park is a 300 year old hanging man's elm tree 
which was used, you guessed it, for hanging people. It is actually considered to be the eldest tree in Manhattan, and it is rumored that Marquis de Lafayette, the the American Revolutionary War commander, hung 20 horseback robbers from this tree. Now, it is said that the Marquis de Lafayette can be seen dressed in 18th century uh, attire and watching his victims swing from the branches of the tree. Happy that justice was served. And it's interesting because I've actually been to the massive grave site of Marquis de la Lafayette. He was very important. He was very valuable in the American Revolution and the Americans establishing a, uh, you know, breaking for British. But he's actually buried in France. His wife was French and he went to Paris to be with her. He is buried in a private cemetery in Paris, France now. But apparently his ghost is feeling satisfied with himself in America, in New York. Now, one hanging that did happen at the park that did not happen at the tree was where the fountain sits today. They had constructed a gallows, and in 1818, a 19-year-old slave by the name of Rose Butler was executed for trying to burn down her master's home in the night while the family was asleep. Now, nobody was killed, and even though there was damage done to just some of the stairs in the kitchen, it was sufficient enough for her to be hung in the park, what will become the park, and she was buried in the field. And it is said that some people have seen her wandering the park as well. And most of the sightings are actually at night. Now, in 1825, so seven years after Poor Rose gets buried, the cemetery is officially closed. But over time, and with the changes of the city and the wants of the city, this part literally gets reconstructed several times. And like everybody else, they just leave the bodies there. But eventually gets made into Washington Square Park. Now, we all know... That when bodies, especially with constructions, they don't like it. They don't like their final resting places to be disturbed. It gets them a little pissed off. And so with construction after construction, of course, the paranormal activity kicks up. So what besides Marquis de Lafayette and Rose is happening here? Well, they say basically when the sun goes down, the park gets ghosty. And they hear the sounds of ghosts and have like smells, strange ghostly smells. They have had experiences with random cold spots. They have seen random shadow figures that would come and go over time. And the way that they're moving and the way that they're kind of making their way about the park, it looks like some of the ghosts are actually like looking for their missing body parts because... They have, of course, over the 
the several different reconstructions have disturbed a couple of graves and kind of just threw things together and patted it back down. And so people are a little bit, their bodies are a little bit misconstrued and mixed up. So they believe that some of them are actually looking for missing body parts. Now, speaking of the American Revolution, which was very essential, especially on the East Coast, that was the first part of America that was established. The West does not get settled to much, much later. Let's talk about George Washington, who was essential. He was the man getting shit done, kicking ass, taking names, having a lot of help, though, with some uh, curious people about him. But it is believed that he is still haunting one of the most haunted, if not the most haunted, the most haunted place in New York. I'm referring to the Morris Jamal Mansion. Now, during the American Revolution in the fall of 1776, the mansion briefly served as headquarters for General George Washington and his officers for the, you know, for the, during the course of the war. And he turned the manor house basically into his headquarters. And as such, and without a doubt, knowing what was at stake, the future of a new nation on his shoulders, that carried a lot of weight. And so with the stress and the, just the overall anxiety of the scenario, it is believed that George in the afterlife may still be stressing over his choices for his decisions in the American Revolution. They hear George's ghost still pacing back and forth in the front room of the mansion in deep contemplation, playing every scenario out. If I move this army here, if I bring this army there. And in addition to the front room, they hear heavy footsteps on the, the stairs and people have smelled the smell of pipe smoke emanating from the upstairs bedrooms. So heavy boot footsteps pacing around like someone is extremely stressed. You could not have been more stressed out than this guy. But George is not alone. So let's talk about Eliza Bowen Jamal. In 1810, Eliza buys this mansion with her husband, Stephen. And Eliza was a bit of a busybody. She was, you know, hustling. One of the people she was kind of hustling with was good old Aaron Burr. And in case you don't know who he is, Aaron Burr is famous for not only being a former vice president, but he's the guy that kills Alexander Hamilton in a duel. And the same Alexander Hamilton that the musical Hamilton is based on. So, she's bumping uglies with him whilst married to Stephen. And Stephen has this quote-unquote pitchfork accident. And he mysteriously dies from it. And there was serious speculation that Miss Elza had actually buried poor Stephen alive. Once he's buried, we don't know if he's really dead, but once he's buried, she marries her humping buddy, Aaron. And after three years of nuptials, they get a divorce. And after three years of their divorce, 
Aaron dies, and Eliza has this prolonged mental breakdown that basically lasts the rest of her life. And the woman actually lives to the ripe age of 90. She dies in 1865. She actually survives, I'm sure without a doubt, the bulk of the, the American Civil War. So here she's, you know, seen the American Revolutionary War. She survives the American Civil War. And then she dies in 1865. And people have seen her. People have seen her full apparition. And her most famous sighting was in 1965, where she apparently decided she was going to hush a group of rowdy school children who were taking a tour of the mansion. So you got Eliza, you got George, and they also believe that her husband, Stefan, is hanging around. Can you imagine that? Hanging around in all of her name with potentially the woman that killed you, buried you alive, and was cheating on you in real life. You get to be there and see her, you know, continuing her love affair with Aaron Burr while you're stuck in the house. So they believe that Stefan is there. They believe that Aaron Burr is also there. And they believe that a servant girl who supposedly committed suicide by jumping out of a window is haunting the place as well. And if that's not enough, right? Even more trippy, they believe that the painting of a Revolutionary War soldier occasionally comes to life. Just like you would see the pictures come to life in Harry Potter. So, you got some serious shit going on in this mansion. Like I said, it is actually considered to be the most haunted place in uh, in New York. Now, you can take a self-guided tour every day, but Monday, let's check it out. Maybe you'll see George Washington or hear him, you know, still rehashing his his choices in the American Revolution. Okay, so moving on, let's talk about the Manhattan Well in Soho. And I think this is actually like our first or my first mention of a haunted well. So this well has been actively paranormally haunted since 1800. And you can find it, again, in Soho, Co's Store, C-O-S, Costco's Store. That is actually a retailer's business so why is this well haunted here's the story approximately 200 years ago a woman by the name of galama elma elmore sands that's a name for you was allegedly strangled by her lover a carpenter by the name of levi weeks and to hide her body he threw her body in the well and at the time this area where this well was located was called the Lepsbinard Meadow. They hook up at this well in this meadow. He chokes her, strangles her, and tosses her body into the well. Now Levi gets arrested, and he goes to trial in 1799. And this trial would be called the Manhattan Murder Well, and it becomes like this massive, sensational trial. 
And with all the information coming and going into this trial, many actually developed various theories about what really happened. Either way, Levi had a rather influential brother in the area by the name of Ezra Weeks. He himself was a builder, and it kind of came to no surprise when Levi was acquitted, but his acquittal was considered to be quite controversial. But for us today in 2023, visitors as well as historians have said that they can hear the ghost of Alma Sands screaming in the well. And if that's not creepy enough, some have reported that she has been seen wandering the streets of Soho as well. She's probably window shopping because in her day, it was just a meadow. All right, let's talk the Merchant House. The Merchant House is New York's only completely preserved 19th century home. So with it being in the 19th century, we're talking the 1800s. Either way, this place is considered also to be the most haunted house in Manhattan. And who is considered to be haunting this place? Well, apparently the Treadwell family, but in more particularly, a lady by the name of Gertrude Treadwell. Gertrude, who was actually born in the house, she was born in 1840. She never married, and she died there at the ripe age of 93. And today, this belief, she has never left. So, how is Gertrude haunting this place in the afterlife? Well, both staff and visitors alike have heard the sounds of the pianos playing on their own accord. They have seen some unexplainable lights basically doing their own paranormal thing. They have smelled curious, unaccountable smells, so they're like, I don't know where the smell is coming from. But the lucky ones have seen the apparition of a woman in a shabby brown dress moving from room to room. And like I said, they're pretty certain it's her because not only did she live here for 93 years, she died. And as soon as she died, the paranormal activity began. And, you know, like I said, she died in 1933. Shortly thereafter, the home was actually converted into a museum. And it's a museum that you can go and visit today. So if you have hopes of maybe bumping into her or having some type of paranormal experience, again, it's, it, 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 it is claimed to be the most haunted place in Manhattan. So it sounds like it's pretty, pretty active. All right. Now let's talk about New York's iconic features, such as the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, for those who don't know, the Brooklyn Bridge actually connects Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn and Manhattan. And so construction for the Brooklyn Bridge actually began in 1869 and went on for 14 years. The bridge opened in 1883. Again, after 14 years of hard work, genuine sweat, and massive manual labor, you can bet your bottom dollar that tragedy definitely struck during the construction of this bridge. One prime example is that in 1875, a cable snapped creating what they refer to as a steel whip. And as it whipped about, it actually sliced an unsuspecting worker's head cleaned off. It decapitated him. And sadly, this man was just one of the 27 people to die 
during the bridge's construction. And the thing is, it's kind of like this this bridge, actually, you know, when I'm doing the research, this bridge kind of turned into the scenario of like King Tech's tomb where weird deaths are also associated with this bridge. So a classic example. The bridge designer, a German gentleman by the name of John Roebling, he actually died from a tetanus infection while the bridge was being built. And after his death, his son, Washington Roebling, took over as project manager, but fell ill to decompression sickness and became an invalid. Now, believe it or not, the first person to actually cross the Brooklyn Bridge was the widow, Emily Roebling. She was married to John, and she was Washington's mom. However, six days after the Brooklyn Bridge's grand opening, a traffic jam that led to a stampede kills 12 people. Their 12 people get trampled to death as they're crossing the Brooklyn Bridge. Today, motorists have claimed to see the ghostly silhouette of the homeless, homeless, of the headless man. Any guesses who that is? And sometimes they have said that the headless guy is seen chasing taxi cabs can you imagine that this is your first trip maybe you're even someone from a foreign country you get in the cab you're like hey i want to check out the brooklyn bridge and you turn and you look and this headless motherfucker is chasing you and you're like what the fuck (laughs) i'm sorry it's terrible that it happened to him but i gotta tell you just envisioning that made me laugh as you can tell okay so yeah Old Headless likes to chase taxi cabs. And, and yes, of course, we think Old Headless is the unfortunate construction worker who lost his head from the cable snapping. In addition to him, since the 1950s, people have reported seeing a beautiful blonde and a white dress looking to make a terrible life decision. And, like, you know, she's going to jump. And people, causing people to panic. And, and they... And then it's like, oh, my God, that was just a ghost. So she's pulling a few ghosty paranormal tricks on the poor and suspecting travelers across the bridge. But visitors have reported hearing screams, have reported hearing shouts from nowhere, in addition to hearing the sounds of splashes from below the bridge while they're on the bridge. So, like, you know, you're there walking across. You know there's nothing, nothing fell from the bridge. And they'll hear as if somebody has jumped. Because unfortunately, thousands of people have made that terrible decision on the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, curious enough, the other reason why I selected the Brooklyn Bridge as a paranormal hotspot in New York, because aside from the ghosts... In 1989, in November, in fact, on November 30th, a woman by the name of Linda Napolitano swears she was abducted by aliens at 3.15 in the morning. She woke to see something inhuman in her bedroom, in her apartment in Manhattan. She screamed. She tried to wake up her husband. And supposedly, that's when what was in her room 
was an alien. They floated her out of her 12-story Brooklyn apartment through the wall, levitating her onto their ship where, according to her, it was like a clam. So it opened up, and then once she was on, it closed like a clam shell does. And they began their round of testing on her, including sticking a stick up her nose that had a ball at the end leaving the ball or something that just bare resemblance of, of a ball in her nose. The clincher is, for as much as we want to throw Linda's story in the trash and discard it, the clincher is, despite the early morning hour, several independent witnesses, including a famous politician, witnessed the abduction. And they said, they all said, that the UFO flew in the direction of the Brooklyn Bridge and thus began this famous UFO Brooklyn Bridge alien abduction story. So people saw it. It was not just Linda's imagination. And I mean, I think I've read something like later on, she kind of started to feel what was in her nose. It was probably just a tracking device because I, you know, that would be the only reason why they would leave something in her body. Okay, either way. So, yes, yes, aliens apparently do sometimes go to New York. Now, let's talk about New York's other famous island. Of course, I'm talking about Alice Island. Between 1892 and 1924, over 12 million immigrants were processed at Ellis Island. Sadly, during the process, over 3,500 people died, which include many, many children. You have to remember that a lot of these people came through by boat. And many had never been on a boat before, and as such, being in such cramped quarters and or, you know, who knows what kind of service and or living arrangements were on these boats that they were coming in. Disease spread like wildfire. Now, it is estimated that one in five immigrants were not well enough to proceed on and be processed and be allowed into the United States. So what the officials did was they would mark the six ones with the chalk on their clothes to indicate that they were sick, and these people would actually be taken to Ellis Island Immigrant Hospital. Let's get them better so they can proceed on. Unfortunately... Some never recovered. And between 1909 and 1911, at least 420 people died. The worst of all was 85% were children under the age of 13. So, I mean, just like COVID, once they were deemed sick, they were quarantined. And unfortunately, they died without their parents because of the quarantine. This, of course, leads to the additional sad fact that their parents never knew where their children were buried. Today, these places, Ellis Island is a national park. And as such, they are preserved and monitored by park rangers. And these rangers have had crazy ghost paranormal experiences. We're talking, they hear the sounds, the eerie sounds of children's voices. In fact, there was one instance where this one gentleman could hear the voices from 
the museum's great hall one evening when he was there when nobody else was, and he was completely alone. Other times, they'll hear doors opening and closing on their own. Sometimes they have heard the sounds of muffled crying. And again, you know, what gets me kind of a little bit is that some of these people, you know, the children in particular, they probably did not speak English. And so they're constantly hearing a foreign language and have no clue as to what is going on. So, I mean, that's kind of, to me, just a little extra sad. And, you know, they died without their parents beside them, so that's even worse. However, in another instance, supposedly, a youth conservation corps worker by the name of George DeRuin was visiting the island one afternoon when he actually heard what sounded like furniture moving in the Great Hall. Again, it's the Great Hall. Knowing that he was completely alone in the building, he went to find out the source only to find out, check room by room, that he was again by himself and the building was completely empty. The most haunted place, of course, is the hospital. This is where people died. And, I mean, it's been closed. It's, you know, it's a derelict old building and has been for the last 60 years. Now, you can do a tour. It's a hard hat tour. you got to wear a hard hat. And one visitor claims that they were possessed by a spirit that made them say, get out, get out, get out, get out, over and over again, leaving them weak from the experience. And there was even a photo taken from a, um, a, a tour that showed a gaunt man with sunken eyes and protruding cheekbones who was not there when the picture was taken. So definitely weird shit going on at the hospital. When I was in New York, I did not go to Ellis Island. I was not too much into the paranormal. I mean, paranormal was always there, but not like, oh, my God, I got to seek out all the haunted places. Had I known all this stuff, I probably would have made sure I had gone. Now, before we leave New York, of course, I got to touch down on a couple cemeteries. Let's talk about the Greenwood Cemetery. I mean, you guys know that I love cemeteries, so. The Greenwood Cemetery is considered New York's famous Gothic graveyard. At the size of 478 acres, there are over 560,000 graves below and above ground. So, you know, mausoleums are there too. This includes the catacombs that are only open to the public during the Halloween weekend, an event they called the Spirited Trolls. And... Many guests have reported seeing and basically happening upon apparitions as they explore this very scary graveyard. Now, in addition to the Greenwood Cemetery, let's talk about the Evergreen Cemetery. And, you know, when I do the research, sometimes I'll just come across these weird shit stories. I'm just, you know, oh, my God. So, the Evergreen Cemetery is haunted by the famed woman in white ghost. And, I mean, she's so prevalent. Um, this is like a paranormal investigator's hotspot. They, they love coming to this 225-acre graveyard. And it is, in addition to her, supposedly, it is the home of a weeping ghost whose voice has actually been captured by many 
many investigators and or, you know, people there who, and they catch her crying in the dead of the night. But the reason why I kind of really wanted to point this out is if you go, you should be aware of this curious, sad story. So back in the late 1800s, there was this married couple, Jonathan and Mary Reed. When Mary died in the late 1800s, Jonathan just just went mad. He was delirious. He had her buried in a vault, and then he was like, she's not really dead. Jonathan moved in. He moved into the vault because he was convinced that she was just sleeping, and he lived there from the late 1800s to his own death in 1905. And he's like, she's just asleep. That's kind of pretty sad. Pretty, but it also kind of, you know, dark. Okay, so, you know, and the thing about New York and this entire area, as I said before, this was one of the first areas that was settled before this country was even a country, before this nation was a nation. Virginia being actually the first area. In fact, Virginia is named after the first child that was born in, or maybe it's the other way around, but in Virginia, Virginia Dare was the very first child to have been born on this continent in, in its progression of becoming a nation. So, without it, I mean, I have my pick. I mean, I haven't even talked about Central Park. I mean, just <laughs> unreal. All these places. Now, I did find one hotel, and I, this one's kind of the famous one, the Chelsea Hotel. And, and it is haunted. So, let's talk about what happened in room 100, which now is a very large suite. But back in 1978, Sid and Nancy. Nancy died from a single stab wound to the abdomen. And unfortunately, her honey bunches of oats, rock star Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols, was arrested and charged. He, however, ends up dying from an overdose, maybe suicide, whilst on bail. And it's believed that Nancy still haunts the halls of the Chelsea Hotel. But, I mean, and, and this place, this hotel is actually quite legendary. You've had people, very famous people. We're talking Jimi Hendrix. We're talking Janis Joplin. We're talking Andy Warhol, Madonna, Bob Dylan. We're talking Patti Smith. You know, just Tennessee Williams, Arthur Miller, who is a writer who wrote The Crucible and other things. All come through. And it is believed that some of them are haunting the Chelsea Hotel. And the sad story, the saddest story, is regarding a story of a woman named Mary. Now, Mary had come to the Chelsea Hotel in April of 1912. This date is essential. Mary was newly married, and she was at the hotel waiting for the arrival of her new husband from England. Unfortunately, Mary's husband had booked passage on the Titanic where he and over 1,500 people had died 
in April of 1912. So despondent, Mary decided that was it for her. She went back to her room at the Chelsea Hotel and she hung herself. And it is believed that her ghost is the most active despite all the famous people that supposedly haunt the Chelsea Hotel to the point where the Sopranos actor Michael Imperioli, probably mispronouncing that, swears he saw Mary hunched over and crying at the end of the hallway. And when he called out to her to see if she was okay, if she needed anything, a light bulb exploded from behind him, causing the hallway to become dark, and Mary had simply vanished right in front of him. Again, New York, American Revolution, the War of 1812. There was just a lot of things going on. And, you know, originally settlement after settlement, New Dutch, New Holland, New York. And so without a doubt, New York is haunted. And again, like I said, I had my pick. I just tried to find the ones that I thought were the most interesting, for this episode at least. All right, that is what I have for you tonight on to business. We have a Facebook page, Facebook, 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 if you are curious or interested and would like to join, send us a request. In the meantime, if you have a topic, a serial killer, a town you would like us to discuss on an episode, send us a request at where the dark corners are at gmail.com and corners are plural. But until then, please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are.